Good morning. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the very same passage that we were at last week, and that is Matthew chapter 27, and we'll be looking at verses 45 through 50, and a special emphasis this morning will be on verse 46. But before we get into the passage, and let me also add that if you don't have a Bible with you, all of the verses that I'm going to refer to this morning are going to be on the screen for you. So if you don't have access to a Bible, that's okay. Obviously, I am coming to you by way of video again this morning and maybe for the next few weeks. And as I shared with you last week, I want to reiterate again because I think it's important for us as a church family. First of all, as we go through this extraordinary time, as a church family. I just want to encourage you. I I think it's important that we stay connected as a church family. I do. And so we certainly, I I would put it as a top priority, our Beacon of Hope ministry and the people they're ministering to. But one of our priorities after that is certainly this video service. We think it's important for us to come and share so that we have some kind of connection point. And so during this time, I think it's important that not only we stay connected, but I think it's also important that we think of ways where we can worship. I mean, we can't be together right now. We want to obey the government and We want to be concerned as Christians for the safety of others. We have been commanded in Scripture to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so that's important for us. And and we're concerned about people's safety. We're concerned about those who are sick. We're concerned about those who are elderly. And so in the meantime, because we can't be together, we need to think of creative ways in which we can continue as the church to worship. And um, so I'm hoping that this video service, that my message this morning will in, at least in some small way, be an encouragement um, to you and help you to feel like you are staying connected. You may be all by yourself. You may be sitting in a room by yourself watching this. You may be sitting with your family watching this, whatever it may be, I pray that God will use this. You know, I think of yesterday, uh, we conducted the funeral service for Karen Bedell under unusual circumstances. We met at the funeral home. Everyone had to be six feet apart in in their seating and a difficult time for the family. Um, It was a good service um, the Lord blessed it, but at the same time, we, we, just, it, we were ever mindful of the fact that we were trying to minister during this unusual time. So we're going to do the best that we can to stay together as the family of God. But secondly, a second thing that I want to do that I mentioned last week is I want to bring to us some kind of normalcy. Um, I am in the midst of an Easter message, or an Easter series, I should say. We're looking at the cross of Christ last week, 
this morning and next week, April 5th, and then on Sunday morning, April 12th, which is Easter Sunday, we want to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think it's important for us to stay with this historic time on the Christian calendar that we celebrate every year and want to continue to celebrate. So with all of that in mind, we are looking at this important part of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, this morning verses 45 through 50 with a special emphasis on verse 46. And let me read that whole section there for you, verses 45 through 50. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Well, our first point this morning is a godly mystery. There are some things in the Bible we will never fully understand. One of those things that we will never fully understand, I've shared with you a number of times, and that is the Trinity, that God is one God in three distinct Persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. That is part of our great faith. It is one of the great doctrines of the Christian faith. Even though we will never fully be able to wrap our minds around it, our God is one God, and our one God is three distinct persons. Well, another one of those theological truths that we will never fully understand with our finite human minds is the punishment of Jesus on the cross. How can it be that Jesus took upon himself all the sins for all the world for all time and was thoroughly punished for them on the cross? I don't understand that fully, but yet it is true. It is true because the Bible teaches it very clearly and it reminds us of a principle that I've shared with you so many times. When it comes to the truth of the Bible, something is true, not because we fully understand it, not because it makes sense to me, but because God says it is so. If God says it is so, it is the truth whether I fully understand it or whether it makes sense to me or not. We think of that great passage in Isaiah chapter 55 where the Lord says, As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. And verse 46 falls into that category. And about the ninth hour, About three in the afternoon, 
Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries out in Aramaic, a statement which translated into English means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this cry is directly tied to the three hours of darkness. If you were with us last week, my emphasis last week was on verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Jesus was crucified at approximately nine in the morning according to Mark chapter 15. And then from noon until three o'clock there was this darkness over all the land. It was the darkness of the judgment of God. And this cry of agony from Jesus is directly tied to those three hours of darkness. What is happening in verse 46? What is happening when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is eternally important. Eternally significant. On the cross... God the Father has turned his back on God the Son. For the first and only time in eternity, for the first and only time in eternity, there is a break. There is a break in the perfect fellowship of the Trinity. It is the only time. It is the only time of which we have a record that Jesus did not address God as Father. Jesus experiences a tremendous sense of loneliness and abandonment. Perhaps the most important parallel passage to verse 46 in all of the Bible is that great prophetic psalm, Psalm 22. It is a psalm of David. And David, under the prophetic inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David says in Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. This is why. This is why Jesus agonized so greatly in the garden of Gethsemane. It's why his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground in Gethsemane. He says, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but your will be done. And he agonizes because he knew what he was about to endure. The great Protestant reformer Martin Luther, who ministered in the early part of the 1500s, it is said of Luther that he so agonized over verse 46, he was so puzzled, so puzzled by Matthew 27, 46, so puzzled by what this verse means that he went into seclusion trying to figure it out. How, how could the Father turn his back on the son. What would cause Jesus to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And it is said that when he came out of seclusion, he admitted he still didn't understand it fully, but he accepted it. He accepted it by faith. So our second point this morning is why? Why did this happen? What would cause God the Father to turn his back on God the Son? Well, I think the most foundational answer is this. It was the absolute horror and ugliness of our sin which was now placed on Jesus. Our sin was so ugly, so horrible, that it caused the Father to turn his back on the Son. As I mentioned, it was all the evil of the entire world for all time that Jesus was now enduring. The prophet Habakkuk says this in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13. He says this of God. He said, your eyes are too pure to look upon sin. Oh Lord, your eyes are too pure to look upon sin. And so at the cross, the father could not could not look upon the sins that his son was enduring. Why? Why did the Father have to turn his back on the Son? Why did Jesus have to endure the punishment, the wrath of God for all sin, for all the world, for all time? Well, if man was ever to be free, if man was ever to experience eternal life, something had to be done with sin. If I am to be forgiven, if I am to be given eternal life as a free gift, then something has to be done with my sin. Something has to be done with the sin of the world. I want you to try to do something with me this morning. I want you to at least try to scratch the surface of what is happening here on the cross. Jesus took upon himself all the crimes that have ever been committed in the history of the world. Jesus took upon himself all the times that anyone was ever involved in sexual immorality. Jesus took upon himself all the lies that people have ever told. Jesus took upon himself all the backbiting and the gossip and the jealousy and the bitterness for all people of all time. And then there is the whole realm of the thought life. All the sinful thoughts that anyone has ever thought. All of them are placed on Jesus. It all had to be dealt with, and it had to be dealt with severely. And then I want to go back to a truth that I mentioned last week with the three hours of darkness. Jesus not only took our sin upon himself, but he became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, such an important verse. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's hard to understand. 
God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus not only took our sins upon him, but became sin for us. I can remember years ago talking with Pastor Peter Newcoop. He pastored First Baptist Church two different times. And um, before he went home to be with the Lord, I had an opportunity to talk with him about many different subjects. And we talked a number of times about 2 Corinthians 5.21. And he said he would have pastors who would argue with him and who, who would say, we can't say that Jesus became sin. We can't say that. And Pastor Newcoop said, I would tell them. That's what the Bible says. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The perfect, blameless, spotless Lamb of God became sin for us. I don't understand it fully. But it is true. Because the Bible says it is so. You ever stop to think? I know that we dabble in sin. We flirt with sin. But even to us, even to us, sin is horrible even to us. It is. If, if you think deep inside, sin is horrible even to us. Have you had those times where you hear of a horrible crime? And you don't want to hear anymore. Someone is telling you or you see on the news about a young woman who is raped and tortured and killed. And there's a part of you that just says, I, I don't want to hear the details. I don't want to hear the details. It's enough. Or you hear of a child, an innocent child, who is molested and abused. And you think, I don't want to hear the details. Folks, if we are sickened by sin, if we are sickened by sin, imagine what it must look like to a perfect and holy God. All of this, all of this was placed upon Jesus. So our third point this morning is this. How should we respond? When we think that our precious Savior took upon himself all the sins of all the world for all time, that our precious, innocent Savior became sin for us, how should we respond? Let me offer three thoughts, three suggestions. I'm sure there are more than three. But let me offer up these three this morning. When we think of Jesus on the cross, suffering in our place, if Jesus loved you this much, constantly remember that God never takes our sin lightly. God never takes sin lightly. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What a thought. The grace of God teaches us to say no to sin. In Romans chapter 13, in verses 12 through 14, it says this. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. When you think about the cross, when you think about Jesus suffering there, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So first, if Jesus loved us this much, let us remember that God never takes sin lightly. Second thought. As you think about the cross, if Jesus loved you this much, then there is no problem you face or burden you bear that are beyond him. If Jesus loved you enough to take all of your sin upon himself and be thoroughly punished for it, then no matter what problem you face or burden you bear, he is going to be there for you. Let me share this. No one has or ever will love you as unconditionally and completely as Jesus does. No one has or ever will love you as unconditionally and completely as Jesus does. He should always be our first resource. He's our first go-to person. Not second, not third, not fourth, but the first one that we always go to. And what a truth as we think about what we are enduring right now with this virus, not only as individuals and families, but as a nation and as a whole world. As I share with you this morning, I don't know how you are feeling. Maybe some of you are afraid. Maybe some of you are worried. You're anxious. Maybe some of you are struggling at your workplace. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe the work isn't there. Maybe the income isn't coming in. Maybe there are some of you that I'm talking to this morning and you're angry about this whole thing. I just want you to know this. If Jesus suffered and died and was thoroughly punished for every one of your sins, I guarantee you this. He is there for you. He is going to be with you. Whatever you are enduring, whatever you are going through. And let me say this to us as a church family. I don't know when we're going to be on the other side of this. I don't know how long this is going to take. But I do know this. 
Jesus is going to be right there for us all the way through. Folks, he's going to take us through this. I, I don't know even what the coming weeks are going to hold, but I do know this. Jesus is going to take us through this. He is with us now, and he will be in the weeks and months ahead. So the second thought is this. If he loves you that much, if he loves you so much with whatever problem you face, with whatever burden you bear, he will be there for you. Third thought. If Jesus loved you this much, is there anything you wouldn't do for him? If Jesus loved you this much, don't hold anything back in your love or service for him. If there's someone he wants you to love, then love them. If there's someone he wants you to serve during this time, then serve them. You've got time to be alone, maybe more than you've had. If there is someone he wants you to forgive, forgive them. If there is some grudge, some conflict that you are holding on to and he wants you to let it go, let it go. It may be that God is calling you even right now to return good for evil. To do good to those, even to those who do not treat you as they should. If he loved you this much, don't hold anything back. Let us be willing to do whatever our Savior wants us to do. The great theologian and hymn writer Isaac Watts once wrote what is considered to be one of the greatest hymns in the history of the Christian faith. It is the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It has stood the test of time and will. It is so powerful. Isaac Watts wrote this, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. When I survey the wondrous cross, when I look upon the cross of Calvary and what Jesus endured for me, love so amazing, so divine, demands, demands my soul, my life, my all. Can you say that this morning? Can you say this morning that when I look to the cross, I need to give Jesus everything. I should not hold back anything from my Savior. What we're going to do at this time is I'm going to close us in prayer. And then we're going to listen to that great hymn. The words will be on the screen. So if you want to sing along, please feel free to do so. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you again for the cross of Calvary. Because of Calvary, 
we have forgiveness. Because of Calvary, we have eternal life. Because of Calvary, we have the great promise, the great settled peace that you are always with us, that you are with us no matter what problem we may face, no matter what burden we may bear. And Lord, thank you that in the midst of this unprecedented time in our nation, this pandemic that we are facing, Thank you that we can trust you and cling to you and look to you. Thank you that you're going to guide us every step of the way. Oh, Lord, remind us of that in the deepest part of our souls. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.